Hey, this is Pastor Tom with North Glencoe Baptist Church, and you're watching Not Another Church Podcast. This is a weekly podcast featuring church staff and your host, Pastor Tom. So thanks for tuning in. Hi, I'm Pastor Tom, and this is another episode of Not Another Church Podcast. And today's subject, uh, we're going to be talking about health and, and fitness and the theology of health and fitness. And I, I would argue that this is moving toward a theology of fitness. I, I don't know if we're going to have time today to get a, a fully work through all that, but I have on our panel today, we have uh, Dr. Jeremy Goodwin, uh, who uh, practices here in Gadsden, and we have Matt Aldridge, the youth pastor at North Glencoe, and me. So to kick this off, I want to say that uh, I, I recognize that in the country that we live in, um, obesity is a huge issue. And uh, the statistics are staggering when you look at the fact that in the United States today, um, 47% of the population is considered obese. So right at half of the population is obese. And those figures have risen from 30% to where we are today since 1999. So not only are we unhealthy, we're getting more unhealthy every day. Uh, I think that... uh, that's, that's a problem in our country, and that's also reflected in the church. And as I have tried to talk to people about that, I actually have gotten pushback from pastors who, uh, I mean, I know none of us have ever seen a fat preacher, um, but I, I think where the, the, the theological issue comes from is there a misinterpretation of what Paul tells Timothy when he tells him that uh, the way we've always heard it quoted is physical exercise profits little. Um, the way the ESV uh, deals with it is um, a little bit different. Uh, let's put it in context. Paul is talking to Timothy. He says, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the word of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths Rather, train yourself from godliness. That's verse 7. And then Paul says, For while bodily exercise is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And so I don't think here Paul is saying, uh, sit around the house and eat ho-hos and watch I Dream of Genie all day. I think what he's saying is, is that given the choice between physical exercise and the profit that it's going to have in the short term in that no matter how much you work out, no matter how much like an Adonis you make your body look today, in a hundred years it's going to be rotting. It doesn't have an eternal value. But making yourself and working to be more like Jesus is going to be of an eternal value. I'm not going to argue against that. Obviously, that's what Paul is saying. I think, though, that we've allowed the pendulum to swing so far in the other direction that we forget that God has called us to serve him. And he has called us to be able to take the gospel out, to to represent him well. And if we don't take care of ourselves, if we are so hedonistic in our eating practices and our lifestyle that we uh, have a stroke at 50 or have a heart attack at 60, our impact for the gospel is literally zero. And so I want us to kind of look at this from from the view of uh, the quote that is oft attributed to C.S. Lewis that is, 
we don't have a soul. We are a soul. We have a body that in this life God has given us one body, and it's our job to take care of it. And if we don't and it breaks down because of decisions that we made, then that becomes a gospel issue. I can't take the gospel. And, and I, I want to say personally, for me, uh, my, my, I hate to use this phrase, my journey in this area was um, after I got out of the military, uh, I kind of said to myself, um, I'm not going to run unless somebody's chasing me. I'm not going to do anything physically active unless somebody's screaming at me. I've done. I've, I've got a check in that box. I've done it. I don't have to do it anymore. And so I, I pretty much ate whatever I wanted to uh, and did not do any kind of physical activity for, for probably 10 years. Um, I was in Nepal on a mission trip, and I overheard some of the nationals saying, we need to go over there to take the gospel, uh, but fat boy, referring to me, can't do it. He couldn't make it over there. Um, somebody put Nepal in the middle of the Himalayas, and so it's pretty hard to get around places. And uh, as I, when I heard that, uh, it just broke my heart that we weren't taking the gospel to some people because of decisions I had made. And so I committed in my heart, uh, and I, may, I took an oath before the Lord that said, as far as I can help it, um, I will not allow my physical condition to keep me from taking the gospel anywhere ever again. And so when I got home from that mission trip, uh, I began... Uh, walking, and then that led to to running and and trying to stay in in good physical shape, so that uh, for for me it's a spiritual issue, it's a gospel issue, not a uh, I'm not trying to be good looking, I'm not trying to I'm certainly you know I'm 50 years old, I'm never going to be an underwear model, that's just really not in my career arc anymore. Uh, it, it it is a spiritual exercise, and so that for me changed everything, because now I'm not not eating uh, Reese Cups and Ho-Hos all the time because uh, I'm on a diet that's going to last until I get to a certain goal weight. I'm not doing it because I'm choosing to give those things up so that I can physically be prepared to take the gospel wherever God calls me to do that. And so for me, it became a different issue, a totally different issue, and I was, was able to sustain that. And thankfully, uh, God has allowed me physically to be in a place where I could, could maintain that and uh, I've tried really hard to, to, uh, to make sure that, and, and we all have predispositions. In my case, uh, my dad uh, is, um, has issues with, with, with sugar and diabetes. His mother had issues with that. My mother has extremely uh, high cholesterol, no matter what she eats, her cholesterol. And uh, Dr. Goodwin is my personal physician, and um, my cholesterol numbers are often obscene, even if I'm not eating unhealthily. So uh, I, I don't just don't want to die and leave my five kids uh, to be raised by somebody else. And so for, for me, all of those issues combined have, 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 have kind of coalesced um, into uh, thinking that this is an important thing. Theologically, I think it's important as well because the, the question comes up often. In fact, I this week had someone that came to me about someone that was uh, actually twice this week. I've had someone come to me and say, so-and-so um, is smoking, and that's a terrible sin. And I, I asked them, why, why is that a sin? Where, where in the Bible do you see that? And they, this person said to me, well, um, the, the body is the temple of God, and we're supposed to protect it. And 
the person that was sitting across me was probably 150 pounds overweight. And I tried really hard to fish and say, so you're, you're telling me that, that the things that we put in our body, that's important. Pregnant silence, nothing. And I could not get this guy to recognize that um, a biweekly trip to Popeye's is the same thing. That it's going to kill you just as quickly as that guy. I'm not, and, and so I think that's what Paul is saying here. I, don't, I think Paul is not saying lay around the house and do whatever you want to do. I think that if we're given the choice between being, being fat or, or doing crack, the answer to the question is don't do either. So you guys are just chatty today. <laughs> well, I was going to say that uh, in, in that day, uh, to get anywhere, they had to walk anyway. Yes. So if you weren't in shape well enough, then you just weren't going to get somewhere. Yeah, I doubt there were many fat, nasty, disgusting people in, that were reading Paul's letter here because of that. Because it kind of, I mean, that, that's going to that's going to try to take you out of out of out of service anyhow. Uh, and I don't think Popeyes had been invented yet. I don't think we were doing a lot of trans fat don't, in don't the first ask, century. Don't ask some people that. They, they'll, they'll probably, they may differ with you on that. <laughs> well, that's the greatness of America and also the downfall of America. Yes, yes. Um, so I, I, what I don't want to do is I think most people who are overweight or are dealing with this issue, they know they have a problem. I don't think anybody is shocked to, to think that, find out that oh, there's an obesity problem in the United States. And so really what I would like us to kind of talk about today is, okay, so I woke up today, I'm hearing this podcast. The purpose of this is not to fat shame anybody. It's not to, to suggest that, uh, you know what, you're, you're a, a, a sad excuse of a Christian if you're overweight, uh, but rather to say, like with any sin problem, okay, what do we do now? So what are our next steps? How do we deal with this in the light of Scripture? How do I move forward? Um, and I will say that my experience has been in observation and in my own life that diets don't work. I, 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 the, the, the fact the name diet has die in it, right? And so when we look at yeah, it. Yeah, nothing about that sounds fun yeah, or good or, or, I mean, it just sounds like something that, that I just would like no part of whatsoever. I mean, nobody uh, wants to look at their life and say, okay, I'm going to starve myself until I reach this particular goal weight. Well, then when you get there, you're just going to go back to, to doing what you want to do. And that's something that's been like super difficult for me is like since, like in the last, whatever, you know, like nine months, I got, I mean, because of, you know, I kind of did what I wanted to eat, what I wanted to, how I wanted to. Don't get me wrong, like I had a great time doing it, like it was a blast, but uh, nonetheless, like I had, I had diabetes in like 23, and it's like, uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't just like, okay, you've got diabetes, it was, you're about to go into like a diabetic, like you're, uh, you're, if your sugar goes up anymore, you're going to go into a diabetic coma, and you know, RIP to your kidneys, like it was going to be, like it was going to be bad news, and so like I've lost like 90 pounds since February, because it's, like you said, like I didn't want it to be like I didn't I didn't want to like have I, I knew that was like the, that could be the start of so many other issues. And like, OK, this is something that like at 23, I can still fix. I'm like, hopefully try to make like try to make better and, uh, and and make those changes because I don't feel like, you know, having health issues and having dialysis at 40 or stuff like that of something that I could have prevented and could have helped. And so it's like it's not easy, but it's become much more of. Um, uh, it's become it's become much less of a diet just to feel better, just to whatever. Much more of a I've got to eat this way because like 
for me, that anyway, I wasn't even thinking on a theological level. It was because I, I don't, I don't really want to have to deal with the diabetes stuff anymore. Uh, but it's much less. It, it's much less of, of oh, this is what I got to do for the next year or or two months, and much more of this is just the lifestyle that I've got like that I've got to adjust to now. And I, I think that that's that's a super important aspect of it that we recognize that a temporary solution to to set you know I'm going to lose 20 pounds, and so I'm going to starve myself and and make myself miserable uh, going to the getting on a treadmill for an hour every day until I reach that goal weight is not a successful way to do anything. Yeah, that's not how you do anything in life. Like, okay, like even if we're, like if we're talking about like just spiritually with sin, okay, I need to make sure that I don't do this sin because, man, it's just the, it's just the worst. And while that's, again, not, yes, don't sin, but it's much more about being much more like Jesus and being much more like Jesus is being less like the world and less sinful. It's it's kind of, it's just, it's a it's a deeper way of, of doing it. It's a it's a much more productive way of, of living your life rather than no oh, just stay away from the bad things of well this is why you're doing it and these are the adjustments we're making because of the end goal here. And and I've never successfully fought any sin tendency in my own life by white knuckling my way through it. <laughs> never because if I'm focused on the sin, if I if somebody comes up to me and they get in my face, and I sit there, and I'm saying to myself, which is, by the way, a common conversation I have in my mouth, in my, inside of my head, shut up, Tom, shut up, Tom, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. You're going to be loving, you're going to be loving, you're going to be loving. What that's going to do is bo- put a cork in the bottle until it explodes. The successful way that I have found to fight sin is to focus on Jesus. Same thing here. Okay, so if, if, if we recognize that Okay, here's a problem. Um, here's some things. I, I want to share some tricks that have worked in my life uh, and some things that, 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 that have worked for me, and I, I want some input from you guys. But if you walk up and down the aisle at a, any bookstore and go to the health and fitness section, there are a thousand different diets. There's the Mediterranean diet. There's keto. There's... Uh, Dirty keto. There's like there's like 14 different versions of, of keto, and it's paleo yeah. and uh, the none of which have ever proven to at least maintain weight loss. I, yeah. Absolutely, I, and I will say that any diet that works, and this is where we need your expertise, Doc, is because it puts somebody in a caloric deficit, and anybody loses weight if you're burning more calories than you're consuming. That's right. You drink this every day and eat 800 calories or less and you'll lose weight. Yes. Well, you can forget the drink and right. just eat the 800 calories. <laughs> Absolutely. If you, if you do the, you know, the whole, whole 40 and you're not eating anything sugar or starch-based and you're maintaining 1,200 calories a day, then the trick isn't the lack of sugar or the lack of white bread. The trick is that you, you're under what you're burning every day. It seems like we've overcomplicated what seems to be a fairly simple biomechanical system that if you burn more calories through either through the normal uh, metabolic function of your body and any exercise that you do, you're going to have to burn those calories from somewhere and your body's going to get those resources from the fat that you're carrying around in your hiney. I mean, that just, it seems like we've overcomplicated a fairly simple system. And so, 
Um, and that's where you're, you're talking about the uh, physical activity uh, comes into play as well. How many calories you actually burn. And there's a huge problem with overestimation of how many calories we burn. I, I won't say their name, but just an hour ago, I was with a cop who ate uh, two 150-calorie Reese cups that were pumpkin-sized, and he said, well, I'm going to go home and walk a couple miles and burn that off. And I'm like, no, you're not. Because <laughs> you burn about 75 calories from walking a mile, maybe 100 if you're, you're a big boy and you're moving a lot more weight. But you ain't burned any 300 calories from 340 calories or whatever it was from walking a couple of miles. That's not how this works. We overestimate what caloric burn is on our exercise. We reward ourselves for exercising with calories. So, And we have the watch that tells us how many steps we've taken, so we take that as our exercise. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've did 10,000 steps today, so I can have a Big Mac with fries and mm -hmm. extra ketchup. So we, we overestimate what the calories that, that we exercise, and we underestimate food. I recognized when I started this journey that I was – looking up on MyFitnessPal, which, by the way, is a great app. It's very helpful. But I would look up and say, okay, so I'm eating a hamburger, and so that's 700 calories. But I was forgetting that a tablespoon of ketchup is 100 calories, a tablespoon of mayonnaise is 100 calories. So I was actually consuming 1,200 calories, but I was calling it 700 because does, the, does, does that handful of fries really count? I no. Mean, I didn't order them. Not at all. If I didn't order them and somebody else orders them and then I eat them, that's, that didn't count. No. Free. That, those, yeah, those are free calories. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, we have a um, kitchen decoration thing that says December calories don't count. <laughs> <laughs> and so we kind of label a lot of things that way. Condiments, they don't count. No. Uh, calories that we drink, those don't count. Like a Coke, that's not. That, that's freebie. And so all you ha have to do then, and I say all, is that all you've got to do is just Build the Empire State. Yeah, building. you're writing. You're writing the next health and fitness book right now. You're doing great. <laughs> so all you have to do is take the system to where you're burning more calories than you're consuming. Whether that's through your daily energy expenditure through, through in expenditure through your normal metabolism, the calories that you burn through exercise, whatever that is, you take in less than you burn. You're gonna lose weight. Am I correct in that assumption? Yes. So Agreed. <laughs> so all the, all the talk about getting your body in a ketogenic state or, and I'm not trying to slam keto because keto works if you're in a calorie deficit. It works just fine. In fact, I read, uh, I want to say it was, you know, one of those great experts like Joe Rogan said, all, all <laughs> diets work if you just do them because they put you in a caloric deficit. But the goal is the caloric deficit, not the diet. So the cl cleansing tea isn't what's helping me do that. <laughs> I'm going to go on a juice cleanse. Said yeah, that's no, said no one in said no one for fun ever. Yeah, that's that's kind of like the uh, preparation for a colonoscopy over a three week <laughs> period. <laughs> yes, uh, lemon juice. What is one of the diets that one of my daughters did it was like lemon juice and ginger water. and it's it's with just, a squirt of mustard yeah. <laughs> yes if i drank that i would throw up too 100 yeah <laughs> so um 
if we're if we're saying that okay, diets are, are silly. That over the long term, that that's not going to work. And uh, those of you that go to North Glencoe know that almost every year on January first, I preach a sermon called "Don't Make New Year's Resolutions" because they don't work. Because psychologically, if you if something's a New Year's resolution and you get into January third and you hose it up, you think, well, I've already messed it up. So what's the point? Whereas if you say, okay, it's four o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, starting right now, this is what I'm going to do. If and if I mess up, I'm I'm just going to go back to doing it. Then that's a much better way to do it than this New New Year's resolution kind of mentality. Starting on Monday, I'm not eating any chocolate ever again. Those resolutions have been successfully done by no one ever, who you know ever. So one of the tricks that I learned uh, that helped me uh, a lot was once a week picking a bad thing, taking it out, and replacing it with a good thing. I'm not trying to, to rebuild uh, 50 years of eating habits in one day, but I'm going to take one thing. Maybe I'm going to say, okay, starting this, you know, starting right now, I'm going to cut out sugary drinks, and I'm going to replace them with, um, you know, some no-calorie water with some little sparkles in it, you know, the, some of the, the, the propels or whatever they call so that's zero calorie. The sparkles. Sparklies? <laughs> Tom's out just putting, like, <laughs> he's, just putting, he's just putting craft products in his water. Yeah. This, this, is that uh, a name brand? This yeah. show is brought to you by the fine folks at Sparkles. <laughs> yeah. Sparkles for all your diet drinks needs. Tom goes to Hobby Lobby and just buys all the craft section stuff and puts it in his water bottles. <laughs> Well, and and I and I I agree. I, the, uh, several years ago, uh, I started looking at it that way and thought, in a similar uh, fashion, that uh, okay, let me first look at breakfast. All right. So instead of eating gravy and eggs and biscuits and sausage and oh, I'm salivating, yeah, literally all that <laughs> stuff, I'm going with oatmeal. Mm. Okay. So and I hate oatmeal, but uh, you know you do that, you get it going for three months. And you're into it, and you're into the rhythm, and you're into, you know, um, uh, doing it every day. Then you look at the next thing, just like you're talking about, about different foods or different drinks. First, I'm going to eliminate one, and I'm going to change it to something different. And if you take it slow like that, then uh, then you're more likely, I think, to continue. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah well, none of, us, none of us like change, especially like a lot of change abruptly. And so... It kind of goes like a, I'll, I'll, like the resolution mindset. Like I can probably do anything for two days, but after that, it just seems like this is a lot. And man, I enjoyed the way things were before. And so, if you take it, like you said, one meal at a time, or even like down to one particular thing, it seems a lot less scary. I guess. I mean, it's it's because we're all again, we're all so reluctant to change. It seems it seems a lot less. It, see, it puts a lot more a lot less pressure on me. I think, and it actually, I think I can see by doing one thing at a time, I can actually feel like in my head I'm seeing progress when actually you, you're making progress. Like for me, it's something I can tangibly see and like say, hey, this is the something, that, these are the things that I'm changing that may not see results. But like these, the, I can actually say these are the things that I'm changing gradually in this process rather than, oh, I'm just flipping everything on its head and just hope it sticks and hope it works because that never really works for anybody. And so as you go through things and for me, and part of it is also knowing yourself. Like, for me, I'm a grazer. I, 
I don't really care to sit down and gorge myself at one meal, but if you look at my day across the day, I will eat lots of things. You know, I, I may consume 6,000 calories from just a little bit here and a little bit here. And so once I recognized that that's kind of my natural tendency, I, rather than fighting that, what I did was is I gave myself uh, and I literally still walk around with a backpack all the time that has lots of little healthy snacks in it. Um, so if I am, am doing something I will, where I start thinking about eating, I will um, go to some of those healthy snacks. I, and I learned that, that uh, I could be an apple snob. So for me, snacking became, I, I found out that, that uh, the apples that you get at some stores, you know, just the red delicious, um, are actually probably about two years old, and they've been put in a, a uh, heavy, like, argon environment so that they couldn't rot, which is why when you bite into them, a lot of times they're rotten from the inside out because they're, they're just horrible. There's no flavor to them, but you can go to places, and, and again, we're not sponsored by anybody, but I found that Aldi's has a good selection of fruit, and you can, there, there are apples that, that are sweet. There are apples that are tangy. And so I became an apple snob. Was it William used to always the sto story of catering on rotten fruit in his backpack? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, took, he took your little snack idea, but just kept fruit in there for a few weeks. Yes. Well, uh, and, and William has borrowed that, that from me. He always, and people here have made fun of him that he always, is, you know, will stop somewhere and pull, pull out his bag, pull out a can of Spam and <laughs> uh, a can of chicken uh, chicken breast. He carries these tuna can-looking things of chicken breast that smells like cat food when you open it. Yeah. He swears it tastes good. Uh, I'm just, I'm not going to go for the cat food thing. Um, but uh, I carry boiled eggs with me because they're really filling. He had a whole dozen of them when we went to Panama City last week. I, I Talking did. about whole smelling good, huh? That's right. <laughs> the All whole right. man smelled like rotten eggs. <laughs> well, and, uh, and even when we were turkey, the, they called me the, the uh, pocket egg guy because I would <laughs> be standing around talking to somebody, reach my pocket, pull out a boiled egg and start peeling it. And they're like, where'd you get that egg? It's out of my pocket. What do, you, what do you mean? Don't you carry eggs in your pocket? I mean, <laughs> come on. Um, and... Uh, uh, so, if, if your issue is snacking, come up with healthy snacks. If you Ziploc up, a, you know, some almonds and, and so, some things that are good for you, maybe you're not going to be, that mindless snacking is not going to occur. And you're going to stay away from the Lance machine if, if you've got snacks and you've satiated yourself with those kind of snacks. If you're the guy who uh, has a tendency to sit down and eat this massive meal, then maybe week one is going to be, starting to identify portion control and how much you're going to eat at each meal. But again, you're not trying to change the world in, in one day. What you're trying to do is, on a regular basis, take one bad thing out and replace it with a good thing. And, and I think part of the problem is, it, in our culture in the United States, one of the things that has completely ruined our culture, and some of you are going to think that I've lost my mind when I say this, is Karate Kid. The movie Karate Kid destroyed this country, and here's why. Here you have somebody that's uncoordinated, doesn't know what he's doing, has no clue what's going on. We have a sports montage, and then he can beat everybody who's been doing it for years and years and years, and we buy into that. And so what that means is, is that if I need to, to lose weight and, and have a six-pack abs next week, that all I need to do is, is go find Mr. Miyagi. And find he has my got Mr. Miyagi. He's he got has got me under control. Wax on, wax off. <laughs> and I'm good. But I can do it quick. I can do it effortlessly. 
And we have forgotten the, the truth. Over a three-week period. Over a three-week period. <laughs> and then, it, it, you know, there used to be a commercial of this guy that was, you know, really, a really fat dude who gets on a treadmill or gets on a scale, and it's like, you know, 388. And he gets off the scale, gets on a treadmill, and just hits it for 10 seconds because it's a commercial. They're going to only run it. Right. I mean, he's just running as hard as he can, and he stops and gets off, the, gets off the treadmill, gets on the scale, and it's still the same number, and he, like, throws the towel across the room and storms off. <laughs> That's our attitude. I want to do as effortlessly, which is why these p- people can sell millions of books that are 10 easy steps of how you can lose all the weight that you spent the last 50 years putting on in three weeks. It's just not going to happen. And we forget that real success comes from doing a thousand little bitty things right, not from one big monumental thing. And so something as simple as, okay, from now on, I'm going to, this week, my good thing is I'm going to start parking at the edge of the parking lot. I'm going to add those steps to my day. Or I'm not going to use the escalator or elevator anywhere that I go. They're foreboding for me. I'm not using them. Those sort of little steps over time build up to being a huge life change. But that just seems too simple to work, right? I gotta have I gotta have a sports montage. I gotta have where I sweat really hard while uh, White Hearts playing in the background. I gotta start catching flies with chopsticks. Gotta start catching flies with chopsticks. I gotta find my Mr. Miyagi. And so I've got this book that says if I can just put my body in ketosis, then the the fat's just gonna wash away. Gonna do a professional athlete's uh, activity and endurance for two weeks. Which leads me to, the, the, in which we're, we're at a good time break, the, 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 the exact same thing is done with fitness. Every January 1st, you go to the gym and you've got all these people that are looking at men's health magazines, how to get uh, Python biceps, and they're trying to do workouts of someone who's a professional bodybuilder who's written this article about stuff that works for him because he's been doing this for 20 years and for him he's going to get muscle growth from these particular exercises that are and, and but your average dude not only does it not help he can't get out of the bed on January 3rd and so he doesn't do anything else I've seen it with running I've have I'm going to run a 5k in 2 months and so they get couch to 5k and then there's a one particular time when you go from a run walk run walk run walk to like a two minute run without stopping and I have I've walked a bunch of people through couch to 5k and that's the one that cuts your group in half every time because people go well this is actually hard this is difficult I feel I don't feel good when I'm doing this um, and no matter what your your the physical exercise you choose whether it's weightlifting whether it's running whether it's biking whether it's jump roping Starting out acting like this is or taking the going and getting a book, you know, the the handbook for bodybuilders and thinking that you can start out bench pressing 315 on January 2nd never works. Instead, maybe uh, do something small. Maybe instead of starting out with couch to 5K, maybe start out getting your body to the point of shape where you can walk for 30 minutes and then take the next step. And again, a gradual build to what your goals are. 
we as Americans don't do a good job of setting our goals realistically, identifying where we are, where we want to be, and then following incremental steps to get us there. We want the solution, and we want it now. We want Burger King Fitness. I want what I want now. Microwave system. That's right. I want to be able to microwave my body. Yeah. I always tell people, think about where you want to start, then cut that in half and start there. <laughs> there you go. It, because if you don't, after one to two days, you're going to be out for a month because of what you've hurt. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that those kind of injuries are legit. People get in, and, and uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to to throw any particular fitness regime under the bus, but there are some that do, um, uh, you know, boot camp style stuff for time. And it seems like the primary thing that those gyms do is they, they keep orthopedes in business. I mean, I know a lot of people who've hurt themselves really bad doing, trying to do clean and jerks. I mean, you pull something, you, I mean, that is, that is nagging and it hurts. Like it's not fun. Like it's bad news. Yeah, it's total rest after that. For sure. You're, you're, you're done. And at that point, what are you going to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, and even after that, well, I got hurt the last time I did it, so I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to do that. Church softball leagues are guaranteed two torn meniscus. Oh, every 100%. Rolled ankles, <laughs> everything. Because people get out and they, they remember their heydays and, and, uh, they're ready to go, and then they cross first and go, we, yeah, ah! we, take, we take off the first. The first time you lunge to hit that bag, and it's your ACL is just laying there on first base. It's just sitting there, and you're four feet past it. And so, so Doc, when you're telling people that getting started, how do does, especially if, if you're, you're 50 to 60 and you're saying, okay, I want to get in hell in better shape, um, but even some very younger guys, how, how's a good way to start to, to make sure that you don't injure yourself? And a lot of that depends on how far along in shape you are when you, when you begin. But in everybody's mind, they're still where they were when that's they were right. 18. That's right. That's why men... I can run the bases. That's right. That's why men always say, I'm going to get back into shape. I've never had somebody go, I'm going to get in shape. That's all, I'm going to get back into shape. It's like... When's the last time you were in shape? Well, 1967. That's right. That's right. If, you, if, you're, if you're walking up to the dumbbells that are 40 pounds each, take a few steps back. <laughs> Go for the 20s walk first. A walk a little to the left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even um, there, there's just something about for men. I know when uh, I had injured myself in a, doing a particular lift and, and my shoulder – and uh, Chris Stewart, one of the guys here in town, had given me a, a, a little regime to do. And I'm like, I'm not lifting up five-pound dumbbells in the gym. Are you kidding me? Uh, and he was having me do side lifts with five pounds. And I'm like, no, that's – I'm not doing that in front of everybody. Are you kidding? It's beneath you. Yes, it's beneath me. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> and so you got a choice. You can either live in pain or do what I'm asking you to do. <laughs> that's right. So start slow, recognize where, where you really are, be realistic where, where you're beginning, not where you were when you were still wearing a letterman's jacket in the classroom. <laughs> um, and so one of the things that, that uh, for, for cardio, do, do you prefer, you know, as there people look at biking or walking or, or running, what, what, are, what are your preferences? And I, I know you've, you have some 
limitations for running as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's, uh, are you talking about uh, just in general? Um, you know, I, I tell people, hey, if you want to row, if you want an elliptical, if you want to bike, if you want to walk, if you want to run, uh, whatever you like best, just like you said, you've got to start within your means of are, doing it. Are the, you know, if you go get on a treadmill or a rowing machine, it's got those little graphs where it says your heart rate here is, and, and then it'll say fat burning up at not, like 90%. How realistic are, are those? Am I actually losing weight if I'm in, and my heart rate's at 70% of, of my heart blowing out of my chest? I would say you're, you're in a more of a burning calories um, mode, you know, when, when you get your heart rate up to that peak. And, and that's different, again, for different people as well, you know. Um, um, you know some people are up in the 130s, you know, or 140s when they're, uh, when they're running or, or whatever. Um, but then uh, other people, you get them up in the 130s or 140s, you may have a problem. I, um, yeah, I could see that. So uh, we once again come back to you got to listen to your own body. And you got to know. Uh, should would you recommend that if someone has been sedentary for years and years and years, that before they start a workout regimen, that they visit their doctor? That would be a good idea, and just and just uh, ask them uh, where they think they should start because, uh, you know, it may be as as little as okay, here start walking ten minutes a day, and uh, in two to three weeks you're going to say. Hmm, I think I'll go 15, you know, and then and, and your body will tell you, like you were talking about, you got to listen to your own body. Your body will tell you, okay, I, I'm, I'm good at this point. I need to push it further. And I, I will say invariably, because I, I hate uh, treadmills with a passion, um, every winter I end up falling out of running um, and have to start back up in the spring. And I, I will use Couch to 5K and fire back up um, and those first few weeks when you're coming back and doing a run, walk, run, walk is painful because you can remember in your mind, well, I was running five miles with no problem just the other day. And then now here I am. Um, and so it, it's easy to push yourself past where you really realistically are. And then, like you said, if you've injured yourself, then you're, you're sitting there with ice on your, your knee, uh, taking ibuprofen, and you're not – doing anything plus at that point in time you realize wait a minute it's late february it's not the holidays anymore i guess i better stop eating all this junk because <laughs> right. that is really pulling me down on this yes yes so um we we've talked about fitness one of the things i wanted to talk about um as well is how helpful is all the data that we're that we are inundated with now with watches and uh, I mean, how accurate is the information that we're getting and how, how helpful or hurtful is that, that we're, we can, I mean, the very fact that now from an off the counter watch, I can monitor my VO2 max while I'm sitting here is just And running crazy. an EKG while you're doing it. Yeah. And running an EKG and, and, and I, how, 
I mean, I, I've read studies, and some say, oh, this is super helpful, and this is going to make us more fit, and some studies say that there's such an information overload that it's not actually telling us anything, and some saying that the data that we're actually getting is not even reliable. And I think going back to maybe the people who do that all day, every day, that that is their profession, maybe it helps some. But I think for the average person like myself, um, I'm going to put it down to a skeleton of, okay, if I only eat this many calories per day and I exercise for this long, then there's not really anything else that's going to help me anymore. It's just, it's very, very basic. There you go. Well, and, and I will say that some people, I know when people first uh, start trying to do, get, manage their eating and manage their exercise, there's, again, there's so much literature out there and so many articles. The Internet can just inundate you with stuff. And I've had people that have come up because um, I, I, I enjoy running. They'll, they'll know that I, you know, well, you ran six miles the other day, and I, I saw that on Facebook. And so when's it most important that I, I eat before or after I run? And I'll say, well, how far are you running? And they're like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm probably doing a mile and a half, and I, it doesn't matter. You, you, until, and what I usually say, until you're running 30 minutes in a, in a full set, you're, you're really just getting to where, you know, sorry, this is an athlete mode, so what you're getting out of runner's world isn't that helpful for you right now. You just need to keep doing what you're doing. Keep keep it up. Keep it up. Don't worry about all of the the minutia of what this guy who is an ultramarathon runner had article has written. He's written that article so that you'll buy the magazine, not because he actually cares about your health. So, and it does not apply to you. It does not apply, and that that hurts our pride. I want it to apply to me. I want to read how Arnold Schwarzenegger grew his biceps, and then I want to do that and forget the fact that, A, he was 17 when he did that, and B, <laughs> that's all he did every day, nine hours a day for 20 years. And that's, we don't, we don't think about that. That that's, what, and what we're shooting for is, again, Functional health that allows us to serve our king in the best way possible. For, for me, my goal is I don't ever want to have to retire. I mean, my ultimate goal is to preach one Sunday, go home to take a nap, and then not get up, hopefully in my 80s. I, I, and to be able to achieve that, that's got to mean that I've got to be, keep mentally alert, I've got to keep physically alert, I've got to do the things so that my body can, can do that. And I don't want to have to be taking a, a, a five-pound bag of pills every day to just keep myself alive. And I, 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 I believe that, that we can control that by what we put into our bodies and what we do with our bodies. And so I think theologically it is clear that God has called us to do certain things. When I was on the mission field, the question whenever we decided we were going to do anything, uh, whether it was Bible distribution or whether it was um, we're going to do this program, the question that we asked was, what is the impact on lostness that for this thing? And if the answer was low, then we weren't going to spend the money to do it. We have limited resources. We're an all-volunteer organization, blah, blah, blah. If this is not going to impact lostness in this country, we're not going to do it. And I think that as we look at our lives, we need to kind of ask that question. How does me living my life this way impact lostness or if I live my life this way how does it impact lostness 
and ultimately, if, if I am unhealthy, um, it's going to have a much less impact on lostness than if I'm keeping control of my body. And um, I think that it undermines their testimony quite a bit when we're standing in front of somebody and saying, um, Jesus has taken control of my life in every area except what I eat. I think that that says things. And I, I've had people say, uh, lost people say, I, you know what, Fatty over there ain't telling me jack about how to live my life. And so we need to take that into consideration as well. How we come across with the gospel is undermined if we're not taking care of ourselves. And so theologically, I think that, 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 it's, that Paul's saying that physical exercise profits a little, uh, but spiritual exercise profits for eternity is really immaterial to should we physically exercise. I think uh, Paul is saying choose the greater thing, not ignore this, uh, this aspect. And so... Yeah, I mean, essentially, it's, it, when it comes down to it, is running a lot versus the gospel of Jesus which 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 ones is which one we gonna side with on that one and it's like it's kind of a dumb question like that's obviously it's it's the cause it's the cause of Christ but also it's he says it, it's it, it profits a little like it, it's beneficial of, of so it has some it has some benefits to it it's just in comparison which is whether it be running or exercise or literally anything else in the world there are some things that okay yeah this benefits you a little bit but comparatively speaking, it's it doesn't do a whole lot. It's kind of it's kind of a it's kind of a dumb question. Uh, it's like should I? I just I like I like Jesus and all, and like that's kind of a bigger deal. So I'm not gonna take my medicine. Other so that my sugar is like nine thousand. You know, I just just don't feel it. Like that's stupid. Like that's dumb. Uh, because it's, be, it's because of. I want to say, like, it's the smart thing to do. Uh, you know, Jesus, God gives us common sense. Like, there's a lot, and I think that's, a, like, a, a hope. Like, well, maybe you're, not for you're all assuming. People. That well, God, I, I, would, I, I would hope so. I mean, and, it's not. It's, and the reason why I bring up that text is I have literally had a person uh, in a pastor's meeting look at me with a straight face and say, I ain't going to no gym because Paul said, and I, I think so you're not spending any time on watching TV or Facebook or <laughs> all you're doing. I, I don't believe that. I, I think that you're, you found a convenient excuse. I'm never going to eat ever again. You know why? Because, because the gospel's bigger than that. Oh, okay. And Jesus is the bread of life. Okay. I mean, I get, okay. That makes, man will not live on, 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 on bread alone. Okay. Hey, sounds good. That's dumb. That is stupid. <laughs> that is dumb of someone to say because it's also important. Like it also helps you. Uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, and I think that's just kind of that's kind of the principle of the argument make, being made there is like that's just that's just stupid. There's just there's not a whole lot of sense there. Yeah. Uh, am I doing things that will help me? Right. To follow God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. So, to sum up what we've said. Um, in your life, don't try to eat the elephant in one sitting. You know, the, the old, old question, and, and I always heard it as a Marineism, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And you don't try to sit down and eat the elephant in one sitting. And, and so in your life, every week, just pick a thing. Change one thing. And 
at the end of the year, if you do it once a week, you've changed 52 different things. And so that's a huge deal. Don't get overwhelmed with the enormity of, oh, i got to make all these life changes. So starting today, I'm, only, I'm going straight vegan, and I'm going to go to the gym four times a day, and I'm gonna, or four times a week, and I'm going to run three times a week, and bam, I'm going to be healthy because that's not going to work realistically. What you need to do is just take baby steps, and each day, each day, each week, get a little bit better. And you know what? That's how our spiritual walk works. That idea of sanctification is that little by little, step by step, minuscule bit by minuscule bit, I become more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Not, uh, you know, hundreds of Christian philosophers have used the example of Christian growth is more like a tree than a grass. You, you don't walk out one day and say, man, this tree has grown. Mm-hmm. That, that is not the way trees work. In fact, I, I, for Christmas, uh, Three years ago, Ann bought me a magnolia tree. I've always loved magnolia trees. And so it was a six-foot tree. It was exactly my height. And by the way, on a magnolia, a six-foot tree has a six-foot root ball. And so, uh, shockingly, William got in trouble the week that I got the tree, and he he had to dig a six-foot hole. (laughs) It was just crazy the way that worked out. (laughs) Love you, son. Sorry I abused you like that, man. Um, And so we dug this huge hole and uh, dropped the tree in it, and... Not too long ago, a couple of months ago, Ann said, has that tree grown at all? And I walked out into the yard and stood beside it. And it's probably nine foot now because, you know, I'm standing beside it and it's three foot taller. And, uh, wow, it is growing a lot. Wow, that's cool. Because trees grow little by little so that you don't, you never, it's imperceivable, but they grow. Until someday there are these huge, mighty, massive trees that are, that can fall in a house and take it out. That's how our Christian walk is. It's little by little, minuscule bit by minuscule minuscule bit. And as we take control of our bodies in this triune being that God has made you, where you're a mind, your body, a spirit, in your body you cannot uh, just change everything at once. It's not going to work. But little bit by little bit, one day at a time, I'm changing this thing, um, knowing how your body works and knowing how your psychology works. Uh, me, I'm an all-or-nothing kind of guy, and so when I recognized that, uh, hey, I'm pushing 300 pounds, if I don't start losing weight, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do anything with the gospel, um, I'm, I'm rule-centric. So I had to say, you know, I'm not going to eat any processed foods. I, I had to, for a couple of years, I cut out any chips, any uh, anything like that, and so I was... Um, the office that I worked at had a Moe's in the first floor, and so I did the vegetarian uh, black bean burrito for lunch every day um, because it was flavorful enough to where I, wasn't, I didn't feel like I was eating mush, um, and it was low-cal and uh, one teaspoon of sour cream. I, I had to have the conversation with the little workers. Every Nope, nope, not that. I just need one teaspoon of sour cream, and I did that every every day. And it, for me, that was what worked. You've got to know how you work and then work within that. Same thing as you've got to know how your body works. And, and if you're, you're, you know, you, you go out and you walk for 10 minutes and your knees swell up and your ankles swell up, and maybe we need to go for five. You just have to recognize your body and listen to your body. Um, but we're taking it one little step at a time. Anything you want to add, Doc? As my daughter says, your diet starts in your own kitchen. Oh, yes. 
If it's not there, you won't eat it. That is absolutely true. Absolutely. Yeah, if, if you don't buy a 60-pack of Reese's, they're not going to be in the pantry for you to eat. <laughs> That's absolutely true. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that is something that I uh, had to recognize that um, – if it's I, there, I'll eat it. I don't have the amen, willpower. Amen. If it, it if it's there, it's gone. And if somebody tries to hide it, I will find it. That's it. I will track yeah. it down. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not good at replace at, at subtraction. I have to replace. That subtraction for me does not work, because I will if it's if there's nothing in the house to eat. I will, I will get up and go to the store. And get the 60-pack of Reese's Cups. Because if I'm <laughs> at the store now, it's all there. But you're right. If it's not in the pantry, you're not, not going to eat it. Um, and <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I, uh, the, nah, the, the, I can't say that because that will throw somebody under the bus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So don't, don't buy the snacks for the grandkids to keep in the pantry because they'll be eating. Anybody in my house buys any snacks for themselves, they can kiss them goodbye if they walk out that door. <laughs> That's right. Because I will sniff them out. That's right. Uh, I've learned a good trick is to put empty containers around the house. Um, Tom has a whole, like, <laughs> just bait, a torture Yeah, like a bait and trap system. <laughs> like, if that's. Like the very, right now, if you go in my house, if you go to, there's a, at the very top of the cabinets, there's like those little cabinets at the tippy top that aren't used for anything. And there is a like a twelve pack of Reese cup container in that cabinet. And periodically, I'll hear the cabinet open because somebody's seen that orange and black and gone, huh? <laughs> um, anything else? Mm-mm. And there, before we go, there's this one thing that that so like um, like popcorn. I love popcorn. If you get microwavable popcorn, it is horrible for you. I don't know what they add uh, to the microwavable popcorn. I guess it's in to make it. It's kind of like the stuff on the outside of the apples you were talking about. Yes, yes. Something has been put there. Yes, and so, but if you go buy popcorn kernels and cook them in olive oil, it's actually good for you. And you do it about three or four times, and your body actually, if I eat microwave popcorn now, I'll take a bite and be like, uh, why don't you make some real popcorn? And so, uh, your body can shift to where you like the better things. It can happen. All right. Well, that has been the health and fitness episode of Not Another Church Podcast. I hope we were helpful. Um, I hope that uh, this has helped people uh, make some decisions in their life. And um, if you have any questions, direct those to Matt Aldridge. That's <laughs> Matt Aldridge at northlinco.org. And uh, go serve your king. All right, with that, we end today's podcast. Thanks for watching Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. We want to invite you to join us Sundays for small group at 9 a.m., worship services starting at 10 a.m., and you can find North Co. Baptist Church live each week on Facebook and our northlinco.org website. If you miss church, no worries. Our past services are easily accessible. They're archived on YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook. Make sure to stay up to date by following northlinco.org. Go serve your king.